1: All right, Mackie and Judd, welcome back. We're at the Minnesota State Fair all week long, Monday through Friday. We won't be doing the Labor Day show, but uh, we will be here all week. Long. First
0: time in years,
1: first yes, time in the history
0: of our show, we're not? Absolutely. We're not working on the Mondays.
1: Man, I mean, we still we could change our minds. We'll see. Well, if you know, if the popular demand requires us to be out here. If Vikings,
0: Monday, if Vikings <laughs> cuts are really intriguing, we might want an hour or two.
1: Well, we'll see. If they cut Kirk Cousins or something. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that's or Daniel happen. Carlson maybe? Yeah. Well, let's talk, talk about the let's kicker. talk to Kevin Seifert about some of this stuff. Kevin Seifert from espn.com. Um we spent the first 20 minutes panicking about Daniel Carlson the kicker because Mike Zimmer benched him in favor of two-point conversions. How do you feel about the Vikings leaning on a rookie kicker who struggled in his senior year in college and jettisoning uh Kai Forbath, Kevin?
2: Well, the, I guess it wasn't too much different than the Blair Walsh experiment that they did um you know, he had had a bad final season in college, and they had they had identified some mechanical issues that he needed to correct, and they corrected him, and he was pretty good for his first few years. Um, and so there's definitely some precedent with Mike Prefer being able to pull that off. Uh, I guess the, the only thing that jumped out of me that's unusual, it's not crazy to see a rookie kicker miss some field goals in, in preseason, uh, even though the timing of, of how it happened is obviously uh, hair-raising. It's that... Zimmer immediately reacted, you know a lot of times with kickers you know there's a very different psychology employed um, I don't know if people are afraid to get in their heads or worried that anything will will that they do or say will ultimately exacerbate the problem, and that kickers are so special and different that you just need to let them work it out with their um own methods but Uh, you know he missed a couple field goals and all of a sudden they're not willing to throw him out for an extra point that that was notable um and I'm sure it wasn't that he honestly was afraid that he would keep missing it was that he wanted to from the start maybe burn from the way he felt he he did the Blair Walsh thing uh he wanted to make sure that he was everybody knew including the kicker that he was going to hold him no less accountable than if a cornerback blew a coverage or a uh, a receiver uh, ran the wrong route or anything along those lines. And so uh, we'll see how that works. Um, I guess people have been treating kickers differently for a a long while for a reason, but it doesn't mean that's not the right approach now.
0: And I guess, Kevin, what I don't get about this is, is, and I, I preface this every time by saying I'm not comparing these guys as coaches because I believe that Zimmer is a superior head coach, but I see similarities when it comes to the kicking position and the head coach with Ticey. Yeah, and and Ticey just didn't have patience. So what what confuses me here is not that Carlson can't one day be good. I think he definitely probably can be. What confuses me is that the GM gave the head coach uh, a player at a position where the head coach just w- wants to put it on, a, you know, autopilot as much as possible. So that's what I was surprised about because I just feel like Mike Zimmer needs a kicker who if he misses can take the heat and a 23 year old kid coming off a poor senior season in college to me doesn't seem to be the best example of that
2: yeah and maybe and maybe uh mike zimmer is recognizing that he doesn't want to that maybe you know being on autopilot with a kicker sounds great but only happens uh in a couple of occasions you you have it with adam Vinatieri. you have it with uh you know, really, that you mentioned Tice. The only year that, that, the only time they really had a uh, an autopilot situation is when they signed Morton Anderson, who's now in the Hall of Fame. And so, um, more often than not, you're going to have a kicker that requires some management, as uh, same as any other position player. And if you really truly uh, need a, an autopilot situation, you have to go out and spend the money to sign a Vinnitari or sign a. You know, it's no surprise. That, you know, last night, you watched the game. Um, the arizona game and their kicker is 43 years old i think you know there's there's a reason why some teams are, are just keeping guys in uh... on rosters into their 40s and that's because they identify that uh... that autopilot need um... but most of the kickers in the league that you have especially if you're trying to draft somebody and keep them around for a while are, are, are going to need some management and so maybe that was this was Mike Zimmer's attempt to do it. Um, we'll see what effect it has, but um, it was notable that it came so quickly after uh, I guess the first two games were, were were pretty uneventful.
1: All right, let's put Seifert on the hot seat here. If the season gets played out a hundred different times, how many times out of a hundred do the Vikings
2: win the Super Bowl? You broke up there a little bit. How many times out of a hundred do they do <laughs> how what? Many t-
1: how many times out of a hundred? If they play the season out a hundred times, how many times out of a hundred do the Vikings win the Super Bowl?
2: Yeah, the same part of the, your sentence broke up off again. I think the I think the radio Jeff, guys why don't you try the don't want you to, to ask okay. that question.
0: Okay, <laughs> if you were to play the Super Bowl, Kevin Seifert for the season for the season, how many times do the Vikings win the Super Bowl
1: with with this kicker? No, just like with this well, team. Yeah, with this team.
2: Oh, oh, I think they. Uh, you know, hmm. What would I say there? Uh, You know, five. I mean, a really good number would be five out of ten, right? You know, so I I would say somewhere around there. I I think they're, you know, I know they've had some offensive line problems. I know that, um, you know, that there's been um, some injuries there, and they're still trying to work through the the transition to quarterback. But when you watch, the, the big thing is always, always, always not just to judge a team in a vacuum. It's always to judge teams based on all the other teams. And I can't say I've watched every single preseason game, but I have watched a lot, a lot more than probably is good for my health. And <laughs> for every thing we could nitpick the Vikings about, there's something similar or much, probably worse with most of the other teams. So, you know, if you were going to make a list of, of teams that that and where they stand here with a, you know three fourths of the of, of, of preseason gone and pretty much all of it gone, given how meaningless the fourth game is, uh, you know, I'd say there 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 is you know they have a, the odds of them winning the super bowl are as good as any team in the top 2 or 3 of the league and that's where i would put them right now
0: have we seen kevin a definite sea change um after years and years of the same to the approach of preseason game number 3 because while while the vikings played their starters uh for the first half on friday it looked like from accounts around the league that there's been a definite change in philosophy on how much your starters and key personnel should play in that game?
2: Yeah, it's, it's varied per team. You know, obviously the, um, you know, in watching the the Seahawks the other night, I think wasn't Russell Wilson into the in the game in the, in the second half, and so yes. But then you look at Chicago, and you know th- that was very interesting. They didn't just rest the quarterback; they rested everybody, and that's especially notable when you have a new coach and scheme transitioning in. Uh, of course, they had had an extra game with the Hall of Fame game, but. I think, you know, I don't know, I, what I'm really curious to know and what I don't know yet is if there's, if it's just a feeling that no matter what the benefits are uh, of playing in the preseason in terms of you know, physically getting in shape or mentally getting yourself sharp, that it's, that it's outweighed by the risk of injuries in a completely meaningless situation. So I wonder if it's that or if somebody has actually done some research from a sports science perspective and found that. Uh, injury rates weren't any different for teams that played heavily in the preseason versus teams that that pulled way back, or if there's some physiological reason to think that we're no longer beholden to the need to sharpen physical skills in a game-like situation as opposed to training camp. uh, I don't know if, if it's just become trendy or if there's actually a sports science explanation behind it, but I sure would like to know that.
1: Kevin, what do you think happens with Teddy Bridgewater? Where, where, where do you think makes sense for him if you're the Jets would you start him for the first month I don't know if that happens but what what do you think his path is
2: um, well I all indications are that that they really want to start Sam Darnold so I don't know that, um, that 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 Teddy being the starter right now unless they they change their minds or have some other hiccup between now and the start of the season I don't know if that's a viable situation but I don't you know I, I guess I just I don't know if the the value um, to the Jets of trading Teddy Bridgewater is going to outweigh the value of having him for insurance. It's not necessarily the best thing for Teddy, um, unless, unfortunately, Sam Darnold gets hurt and he can get into the game ahead of Josh McCown and be a starter over over a period of time. But as well as he's played, if I'm the Jets and I have – uh, you know, coach and GM. I'm a coach or a GM or both who have been there a couple years already and haven't shown the kind of progress uh, that you would want in order to ensure that you're going to be the coach and/or GM for a while. I wouldn't necessarily be eager to be dumping uh, quarterbacks that can play. Um, no matter how happy they are with Sam Donald's progress, one injury, one you know slump, one setback can can really. Put you on course for another uh, disappointing season. And right now, whether this is the right way to build a team, I don't know. But right now, if you're them, you want to keep everybody around who can keep you as competitive as possible in the short term as possible as they can. And so, unless another team suffers an injury that makes them desperate either to have a, a backup quarterback that you you give up a huge, uh, very high draft pick for, or they want him to start, um, and we haven't seen any situations like that erupt that I know of, I don't see the urgency the Jets will have to to trade him. I think he stays, at least as it stands right now.
0: Your thoughts on uh, the helmet-to-helmet rule in week three, because I saw your tweet late last week basically echoing uh, Mike Tyson saying, calm down. Yeah. calm down it's not going to be the end of the world because my and and kevin my only concern has been this it's not the amount of them as as so so much as when they call them but are do you did you sense that this week they finally started to uh to get things to a stable point there
2: yeah i mean it's basically it was the first two weeks of the preseason it was basically being called on one percent of the plays and and that and as you said it's not the number it's it's the timing, and, and a 15-yard penalty is significant. And if it happens at the wrong time, a 15-yard penalty really can change the course of the game. So I don't want to downplay that, but it's still, you know, not even the most. Wouldn't it, at that pace, it wouldn't even have been the most visible penalty in the game. Not even the second or third most. Um, just given. Uh, how much holding is called and how much uh, false starts happen and all that sort of thing. And so what we saw last week was a clarification issued by the competition committee just reminding officials and players and coaches that this was never intended to cover every single time a player lowers his helmet and his helmet touches the other, other team. It's only supposed to be called when you lower your helmet and, and then your helmet, your head, is the initiator of significant contact with the opponent. Uh, not nothing incidental, nothing inadvertent. It had not been intended that way, but it wasn't necessarily worded specifically enough, and so officials had interpreted it that any time it happened, they were going to call it. And so that was last Wednesday. And then in the next 16 games, the percentage of, of the calls went way down. I think it was 64%. Fewer calls in Week 3 than there had been in Weeks 1 and 2. So that clarification seems to have gotten through. You're now in a situation where it's, uh, zero point, I think I think in the week three it was point five six times per game so one out of every two games basically it was being called and that still may be a situation that affects the, the outcomes of some games over the course of the season but uh, in the interest of safety a penalty that's being called one out of every two games if that's what it ends up being doesn't seem to be as disruptive as once feared
1: Kevin Seifert ESPN.com. Uh, check out his work. Follow him on social media. He's really active on Instagram and Twitter too. And uh, we'll talk again here uh, as the season's approaching pretty quickly. Kevin, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, thank you, guys. Talk All right, better. Kevin Seaford. All right, he just he does such a great job breaking down the rules, yeah. and that's one of his main beats, I guess you could say, at ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. Okay, the way he phrased something on behalf of the NFL and the in the officials is something I, I want to dive into with you next year because it. It's irritating. We can also talk more Vikings. Matthew Collar will be up here from eleven o'clock until one o'clock. He has a new piece that uh, examines Mike Zimmer and, and go go follow him on Twitter too at Matthew Collar and check out his new stuff on fifteen hundred Espn.com. We're gonna be back here shortly. Mackie and Judd from the Minnesota State Fair. Welcome back, Mackie and Judd. Live at the Minnesota State Fair, all week long um, Kevin, So Kevin was great. Seifert does a great job just breaking down NFL rules and all the, and I think warranted angst about this new initiating contact with the helmet stuff that Absolutely. has been yes. emphasized in the preseason. Yep. So he did the research, or, or someone uh, relayed the research, and then he put it out yesterday on his Twitter account that the, 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 those types of calls were way down in week three of the preseason. And the way it's described, the way he just described it on, on our show last segment was, initiating significant contact with the helmets. You're not supposed to call every time someone puts their head down, offensively or defensively. You're not supposed to call it every time someone makes contact with somebody else with the top of their helmet. There's room for nuance and subjectivity. And that's where I'm confused, okay? So how can it be in this phone book of an NFL rule book that you can have something so interpretational like, hey, referee guy, if a player lowers his helmet it initiates what you deem to be significant contact with the helmet yep. that's a penalty and yep. maybe even an ejection but if it's not significant it's up to you to determine that gray area right yep. but with the catch rule they've grounded it down into salt as much as humanly possible to be as objective as possible and black and white as possible that it can't so, so i guess my my rambling question here is why can why are officials trusted to throw 15-yard penalty flags on significant, quote-unquote, helmet contact, but they can't be trusted to look at someone catching a football in the playing field and say, like, you know what, that's a catch. That's a catch. Why, why is it that— until the, su-
0: until the Super Bowl in which they were trusted to do that, right. because there were catches in the Super Bowl that weren't catches two weeks before. Right.
1: Like, as an official, I can I, say, I can say that's a hold. I, I think that's a hold. I, I, I think this. that's pass interference. I think that's too much contact with the helmet. But I can't right. say, I think that's a catch. Isn't that weird? Yes, but the whole thing's weird. the 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 whole <laughs> thing's weird, and and it's
0: also very weird that I could eject a star player for what I, for what for what in a split second I interpret to be, a leading with a helmet. But let's say he didn't. I can't even go back and look at that and say, oh, whoops, I made a mistake. Still a penalty on you, but you're not ejected. Yeah. So I can't explain it. I can't explain what they're doing, and and I I feel like the NFL and I don't think this is the way I don't think this is an effective way to run your rules business. I feel like they're like let's go all in, you know, let's go all in now and call everything and then we'll peel back. But that still doesn't that doesn't allow the leeway into the regular season or playoffs where somebody's not going to uh, to accidentally an official royally screw up. Yeah. And now there's no out. So so as Kevin said this isn't only the number of flags thrown for this. It's the timing of those flags. And let's just say it's a wild card playoff game. Yeah. And somebody thinks they see something. And so they throw the flag. In they the eject quarter. the guy. Yeah. There's no going back. Or, or or let's say it's a star player and that guy gets kicked out. Star safety first quarter. Yeah. Harrison Smith. Now there's no going back on that. Mm-hmm. So I just I feel as if once again they have left, left themselves open for uh, for huge second guessing and questioning about something where, I'm not, I'm not trying to imply that they could ever get it exactly right, and I understand the concern about people's safety, but there were ways, i.e. replay on ejections, to at least make it easier on yourselves and why wouldn't you say, we use replay for all this stuff, for a catch. Yes. Why wouldn't we use that for ejection?
1: In the in the highest, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit of a, I'm going to use a geeky term here, but in the highest leverage situations, so 15-yard penalties, close game star players, right, where there's a lot of chips on the table, and late season playoff games. If you've got the technology, even if it's a subjective call to go back and look at it, you should. And soccer had it right. And people made fun of the, the video reviews inside the penalty box in soccer, VAR, right? Baby. But VAR like crowds were chanting VAR yes. in different in different settings. But if <laughs> but but think about it, in soccer, what's the highest leverage situation, right? It's like the first team to get a goal wins yeah. in the 80th minute at this point, and and you are ten yards away from the goalkeeper and you're inside the box and there's contact, and that's a subjective call. It's it's was it enough contact to warrant a foul? and and in the moment they'll rule but if it's that important and it's that situation and a penalty kick is on the line they will go and they will review it and they'll review it subjectively right I'll let slow it down and then I'll give right, my to slow it down because we've got the ability yes to not screw up so I'm and I think I think 15 yard if you want to make them challengeable so that you're not just reviewing 10 times a game but, and slowing it down okay
0: but college football which, which is way too long and certainly has things screwed up has that one right because the penalty still stands but if I eject you I can at least go back and say you're still going to be penalized, but you're not out yeah. of, of the game.
1: Well, the ejection should be reviewable and period, but the 15-yard penalty should all be here, challengeable.
0: Here's the question that the National Football League should ask itself, and maybe internally it did. And I am not saying that all of these officials were great, but you had four veteran officials after last year. Referees walk away from you. I'm I'm done. Did they walk away, or were they were they told no, no, no? I mean, this was uh, 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 the uh, Stator Statori, I believe, who did the Saints game, the Saints-Vikings playoff game here, oh, he, and then got out? the Super Bowl, he took a TV job. But the point is... Is it, he
1: still doing the uh, Big Ten basketball games?
0: I think he's out. Okay. I think he retired. But the, but the point is, you had four veteran guys. If you had one or two, I'd say, okay, you know, that's they, they got forced out and or it's just a natural transition. But when you have four officials, referees, walk away, I think at least two of them probably said, one, I, I can make more doing TV, but two... This is ridiculous now. Actually, like, you can't be asked to do – these guys, I don't think it's fair to come down on them during the course of this year when you realize the amount of things they're asked to look
1: at. We need Ed Lee as one of the – Mike Pereira is the best. Ed Lee on TV he would didn't be do awesome. do TV. I'm surprised by that. But couldn't he still – he, he could still get a gig, right? Oh, he would have been great on TV. Ed Hockley – He might not have shut up, though. Favre-like.
0: That might be the problem.
1: Sleeveless Ed Hockley on ESPN for Monday Football. Let's go. Let's go to our official rules analyst, Ed Hockley. How about He's like pumping iron in the how gym. about
0: shirtless <laughs> from the gym, just to sweat. <laughs> The sweat on his pecs.
1: I got three more reps, and I'll explain what happened on that last play. What you're play. looking at here,
0: Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, is clearly uh, it's clearly a case <laughs> of pass interference in the first degree.
1: They cut to him. He doesn't even speak. He's just doing the pectoral flexing for, <laughs> for like and 10 be, seconds. Would you not watch it? <laughs> oh, the Hockey League
0: channel. The hockey, that's what we should do. Give Cutler a show. The... the NFL Entertainment Channel. Forget games, would, highlights. Just have Cutler have a show. Hockey League, the Hockey League. Well,
1: let me ask you this: Would you? I, I like that idea, but would you over over Christmas time? Would you rather watch the Yule Log or just twenty four hours of Ed Hockey League bench pressing? I'd start with loop? that. I'd start with that, Jonathan. What about you?
3: You have the Hockey League bench press hour going <laughs> right into Jay Cutler smoking cigarettes and discussing it them. Is-
1: Oh, by the way, the, the last that, night really. was the final, it was the season finale I saw of Barry people Cavallari. live tweeting it. People were live tweeting Jay Barry Cavalier. Jay Cutler, go, they got in an argument at the end of the episode where, so they, they bought a house 45 minutes away from downtown Nashville. Oh, they did Jay, buy another house. Because Jay wants to be out in the wilderness. And it's controversial because Kristen's business is downtown Nashville. She said in, in the episode like a month ago, she said, we're not moving, at home. Oh, but, but Jay won the argument. Really? So they are moving, but get this. So Kristen said, "I think I'm going to buy some sort of a condo or an or an apartment yeah. just so in, in case I want to stay down downtown Nashville." And Jay said, "Well, I don't know if we need to do to do that. That's kind of unnecessary expenditures, right?" And she goes, "Well, I'll just use my money." And he goes, "Well, I like how when it's your money, it's your money, but when it's my money, it's our money."
0: Commercial break. No, tension,
1: arguing about millionaires well, arguing with each other.
0: And now there's the controversy if she's got her own pad about what goes on in that pad.
1: She's pretty into Jay. She's pretty into Jay. For yeah. now,
0: could come back next year.
1: Marcus Mariota available.
0: I was going to say, could be a current current National Football League quarterback in the uh, the condo in Nashville. Jay's out in the burbs.
1: You never know. They
3: never know. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, Jonathan, what's coming up and stuff you should know about next? Uh,
3: we've got people hanging up on other radio shows, surprise, surprise, boxing controversy, and uh, Twitter beefs.
1: All right, Mackie and Judd, Jonathan Harrison is uh, on, the, on the remotes and the keys today. We'll come back with some stuff you should know about. Matthew Collar on Vikings in the 11 o'clock hour through the rest of the show. Let's talk about TCL TVs, though, for a second here, which we have plastered all over the walls of the TCL broadcast studios, the hallways. You get 4K picture quality unlike any other TV you're going to find on the market. It's the best picture quality going right now. There's a reason why TCL has exploded on the scene in recent years. It's the third largest TV manufacturer and distribution company in the world right now. And it's also America's fastest growing TV brand. I'm telling you, go into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and just size up a TCL TV compared to other ones. You're going to notice the difference. You also get that built-in Roku device, which gives you thousands of streaming channels. Unfortunately, the Ed Hockley flexing slash bench pressing channel is not one of them yet. But you know what? I'll talk to the higher-ups at TCL and see if we can get that to happen. You get access to 450,000-plus TV shows, movies, you name it. Stop! Twin City sports fans are chanting for right now. Mackie and Judd continue with stuff you should know about.
0: Please, please, all right, Jonathan, stuff on a stick from the State Fair. What you got for us?
3: All right, so let's start off. Sorry about that. In Chicago, where something called Jimmy's Famous Seafood is a restaurant, uh, doesn't seem to be a big fan of a former Timberwolf and now Chicago Bull Zach Levine. The Twitter exchange. This is all on Twitter. It started. When a fan tweeted the restaurant chain to open a restaurant in the Chicago area. It's a Maryland area restaurant. The chain said if the Bulls brought back MJ, they would definitely open up in Chicago. The fan said MJ's too old. How does Levine sound? This is where Jimmy's gets a little bit hot under the collar here. Uh, They said, where was I here? They said, uh, how about you give us the $78 you wasted on Levine and we give you free crab cakes for life? At this point... Levine started to see things and he responds, he's allergic, allergic to shellfish anyway. <laughs> J- Jimmy's drops the mic saying, and defense.
1: Whoa! Whoa! Now, was this by chance
3: Jimmy Butler's seafood restaurant? <laughs> that's what I was thinking when I saw it. I yeah. love
1: that. It's just Jimmy, just Jimmy Butler ripping on all <laughs> young players in the NBA. You can't play. Yeah. Wow, that's aggressive.
3: Things so- got heated with that restaurant.
1: I feel like, okay, where? So Jimmy's is not in Chicago?
3: No, I think they're a Maryland-area restaurant. They're a seafood okay. restaurant, obviously. Still? Okay. So I
1: was going to say, okay. if, because if it's a, those are fighting words if it's in Chicago. I feel like Zach Levine is a very marketable figure if he starts to figure out his, And he just uh, his signed his a game. big old
3: deal, as uh, Jimmy's noted, $78 million for four That's years, right. or something like that. Because the
0: Kings signed him, right?
3: Uh, they to an wanted offer to. Sheet and they matched it.
0: Yep. Yeah, the Bulls yep. matched it.
1: The Kings were... Re- so Yeah, at least two teams ready to give him $80 million over four years, yeah. which I would in a heartbeat swap that contract and Zach Levine for Andrew Wiggins in the contract (laughs) would you rather pay 80 million over 4 years for Zach Levine or 150 million over 5 years for Andrew Wiggins I'll take one Well, that,
0: that depends. If I sit Andrew down and I look him in the eye and I say, <laughs> swear to me you're going to play really, really hard, and he says yes, then I'm going to give him whatever he wants.
1: Andrew, do you promise? Yeah. Do, you do, <laughs> do you pinky swear? Do you pinky swear?
0: Do you really, really
3: promise to play hard, Andrew? <laughs> Are you definitely going to play hard?
1: Slide the briefcase over, pull it back again. <laughs> yeah.
3: All right. We'll, we'll go to the AFC East here, but we'll, we'll hold off on Tom Brady for just one second as I want to get to the the Dolphins the and Ravens game. Kiko Alonso, linebacker for the Dolphins, after a tackle in the Dolphins' 27-10 preseason loss to the Ravens this weekend, he uh, ran to the wrong sideline.
2: So Justin Tucker
1: now will try a 51-yard, 56-yard field goal. And Kiko Alonzo saying, I'm not looking to become a free agent. I just got to the wrong sideline. He'll stay with the Dolphins. <laughs> well, be careful because someone might take his helmet when he gets to the other side. <laughs> Uh, Boy, he, he should be kidded by his teammates, I would think. Look <laughs> at the big smile on his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He went to the wrong bench. <laughs> uh, I'm not a raven, I'm a dolphin.
3: <laughs> so after the tackle, he went... C- CTE, everybody. Yeah, I, was just, I, was, I was just I was,
4: just, I was just
0: going to say, that's funny. Brain damage. <laughs> but was the previous play like a hit t- to the head that he no, took? He... I didn't see the
1: hit.
3: I didn't see the hit. He said in comments afterwards that he flipped over and just backed up into the wrong sideline. And John Harbaugh was like, No, buddy, you're you're on the wrong sideline there, champ. Head yeah, over he the other side. It's
1: funny because he walked over and he and he stood and was about to watch the field goal, but then yeah. he realized he was with he was watching the field goal with all Ravens players and John Harbaugh, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Dude? And there's, there's like coaches in, in his here?
3: face with the wrong logo on their head. He's like, "What what's going on here?"
1: Yeah, yeah. Phil's right though. CTE,
0: yeah. the funniest thing of all time. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 Football,
3: and he is.
0: You know what? He just had his bell wrong. That's what we yeah. like to say from the old days. Just had a little. Bell, but
1: NFL bell films rung. used to run those. I one of the yes. first VHS videos I ever watched a hundred times. As a kid, was mm-hmm. NFL's Greatest Hits, yes. and it wasn't like oh Greatest Hits album. It was no, it was it was an hour and a half of guys just getting their bell rung. Yes, and they had cartoony music behind it. Oh, it and was all hilarious. This guys dizzy. Go go oh. back.
0: Go back to the Jack Tatum hit on Sammy White in the '77 Super Bowl where Sammy's helmet pops off, and we all He's thought it was And we all thought it was the greatest
3: thing ever. He held on to the football too. Yeah, But we all ESPN's thought it was great. Jacked up for a while where they did that segment yep. during Monday Night Football. Yeah.
1: I mean, he held onto the football because of rigor mortis, though. That's <laughs> that, right.
3: Oh come on! It's funny. People are getting concussed.
1: <laughs> He's right. in the hospital. They, they yep. can't pry his hands out. But the... anyways, all right. We'll Next stay item. in the we'll stay in the
3: AFC East here. I uh, mentioned it a little bit ago. Tom Brady interview, his weekly interview with WEEI, I believe. Uh, we remember during the Super Bowl he hung up on them. Well, he did it again.
1: He had yep. said in his opinion that, that all this stuff had been overblown. That he and Belichick actually had a pretty good relationship even then. Would you say that was true?
2: I said I don't want to get into it. Okay, go ahead, Evan. Yeah, I so, mean everyone knows it's well documented how you know the work that he and I do together. No, I know. I no, no. Yeah, no.
1: I understand that. I'm just trying to figure out because I saw the reports this weekend that he's traveling with the team. Was he on the sideline on Friday?
2: Yeah. All right, guys. Have a great day. I'll talk to you later.
3: And that was it for Tom Brady. <laughs> I love this the morning. dial
1: tone. That's a weekly appearance too. I'm
2: yeah. Sure yeah. he
3: gets
1: paid a lot of money to. Yes. Okay. I'm sure yeah, there's that's... a
3: sponsor involved there too.
1: What is the the Facebook series documented? I don't know if you guys saw the whole Tom Brady Facebook series. It's awesome. Know. It's mm-hmm. like Hard Knocks, but just featuring Tom Brady basically. Yeah. It documents him behind the scenes and um, and I'd I'd love to know more about why this is such a source of tension between him and... Ba- is it going to blow up the team, or are they going to be able to put it behind them and go back to the Super Bowl again is another question, too. But it's very interesting. A lot of drama in he, New England.
0: Brady usually handles things, I think, really well. I mean, when, when you consider the pressure on him and the amount of scrutiny, yeah. this one's weird. I, like, there's so much at work here, because the thing he has to know is, and he doesn't care, every time he reacts like this, it draws more attention, yeah. not less. Like, like, the thing to... The common sense thing from an outsider's viewpoint, would be just answer the questions and nonchalant it, and Mm -hmm. it'll go away. But he's so uptight and so mad about it that he actually fuels it more, and he's not a dumb guy. So clearly there's stuff going on behind the scenes that is that has gotten really bad or contentious.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's just you're weird. right, if he were to just answer, yeah, he's back on the sidelines yeah. and you know, just give a basic answer and say, yeah, that's that's pretty much all I want to get into. Although I guess he is saying I don't want to talk about it. But it, but the fact that he doesn't want to talk about it makes it weird.
0: Right. Like talk about it and even if you have to, ordinarily guys will just lie. Yeah. Like he's shutting it down and by shutting it down, he's drawing more attention. Yeah.
3: There's definitely no cliché quarterback answer that we get with Kirk Cousins a lot with Tom Brady in these situations.
0: No, that's true. Yeah. All
3: right, up. so Patrick Royce, our own Patrick Roycey on Friday, was headed over to the Armory for one of the many, many, many things that were in town that night for some good old boxing. We haven't seen that here in town in a while. I don't think he expected this.
1: Touch up. Good luck to both of you guys. So he likes to bring an end to opponents in quick fashion, and Curtis Harper has walked out of the ring. Wait, what? I cannot believe. I've never seen this before. He walked out, he of, walked of, the walked the ring. out of the ring. He's not fighting himself. He guy. walked He's out of the
0: ring. I've He's never seen fighting. this before in my life. Wow. Curtis Harper has <laughs> walked in the
1: fans out here in of the ring. Are, are i really upset right now because Curtis Harper is on his way to the dressing room and is walking out of the ring. So I I've say never seen forfeited. this. They forfeited the match. I cannot
0: mm-hmm. believe
3: this. So Curtis Harper, all of the age of 30, was set to face 2016 Nigerian Olympian F.A. Ajabe, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He's 24, as one of the televised fights on FS1 on Friday night. As you heard as soon as the bell rang Harper turned around and headed to the door. Ringside reporter Jordan Hardy said she spoke to Harper and said he's and he said he's not getting paid enough to fight and that he wants respect. The Minnesota Boxing Commission is unlikely to pay Harper after all and he's most likely to face a suspension for walking out of the ring right away.
1: That's uh it's pretty amazing. so did did he know he wasn't going to fight the whole time? The word he must the, have.
0: The word is he saw his opponent and said, <laughs>
1: no, no, no. But he's like, it's not the first time he's seen the opponent, right?
0: Don't they do a weigh-in
1: face-to-face? I don't know what they
0: did, but it sounds like he saw this guy, and this guy was chiseled, and he realized that that in fights like that, there's often a tomato can, and I'm the tomato can, <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm right. not dying. You see okay? the video, and
3: you see Harper, and he looks like, yeah, yeah, I said he's 30. He looks like he's kind of near coming to the end of his career. He's, he's not as chiseled as Ajabe was, and yeah. I would imagine he saw him and was like, nope, I'll pass on this one. That's
1: also not the sport that you want to go in sort of on the fence mentally, right? You don't want to walk into an octagon or a ring and think, I don't know if I'm really into this right now when my hulking opponent has an eight-pack and is about to beat my brains (laughs) in.
0: But that is is a sport that consistently, because there are times that I want to like boxing, that's a sport that consistently can never get it right. Like it's there's always some just embarrassing stupid at, at least in your sport wrestling it's
1: written into the script so it's fu- so if a guy walks out it's written into the script well some have suggested that mixed martial arts like so UFC is the top MMA brand mm-hmm. that UFC has had such a problem where they'll they'll get these top fighters in. And they'll burn out after like eighteen months, or they will get beat. So Ronda Rousey blows up, and she's headlining pay-per-views for six months, and then she gets beat twice, and then it's over for her because now she's, you know, now now she's beatable. Or Conor McGregor will pop up, and then he'll go and do do something else and get bored. That they might have to consider, maybe not scripting outcomes, but be a little bit more. Aware of the oh, benefits really? of keeping top names on top for longer. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. Vince McMahon. Hello, Vince. Hey. Ch- so, Ch- How have you done it? Chael Sonnen has a Chael Sonnen, a longtime UFC guy. He has a podcast in which he floated this a few months back, just saying Dana White takes a lot of his marketing ideas and studies what Vince McMahon has done over the last twenty or thirty years. So we're not there yet with UFC, but it could be something to keep an eye on. Interesting. Just chaos uh, on and throwing that up. Hmm. What else you got for us, Jonathan? Uh, we'll finish
3: up here. We all, we all talked about the Urban Meyer controversy overall last week quite a bit. Uh, Michelle Beadle, she had some com- or comments on Mich- or Urban Meyer and football in general on ESPN's Get Up on Friday morning.
4: Number one, 2018 will go down for me as the year where we've just decided we're not going to use the word lie anymore and we're going to call it all kinds of other things. He lied. He didn't misrepresent the facts. He wasn't less than accurate. You lied. And you could just call it lying. Like, why we've decided as media and as a society to just kind of walk around that so very softly. You're a liar. You lied. Period. Done. That being said, there's a reason why this will be the second season I don't watch NFL, and I don't spend my Saturdays watching college football either. I believe that the sport of football has set itself up to be in a position where it shows itself in the bigger picture to not really care about women. They don't really care about people of color, but we won't get into that for NFL either. But as a woman, I feel like a person who has been marginalized, and every single one of these stories that comes out, every single time, pushes me further and further away. I realize they don't care, but for me, it's opened up my weekends. I appreciate you for giving that to me. I don't care anymore. I've lost the ability to be surprised. You got three games. You could have been fired. They could have gotten away with not having to pay you a single dime. You survived it. And not only did you survive it, but you didn't have the grace enough to at least look over the statement that you were handed seven seconds before and pretend like you meant a single word in it. The entire thing is a disgrace. I'm just numb to it. I'm just ready for NBA to kick off, quite frankly. That's what I'm here for.
0: Wow. Yeah. So and you heard what happened after that, right?
3: Yeah, she. Uh, it was announced that she is heading up the ESPN's coverage of the NBA starting will, this fall. She's moving back to Los Angeles, and she's off
1: that show. Yep. Okay, as of Wednesday, she'll so be she. So she. Show. She knew. Did she know when she went on that rant that she was off that show? I think so. Yeah, she. I had mean, I,
0: I don't know that for a fact, but my interpretation of hearing her. Is that yes? She absolutely yeah. knew, and that well, show, and that show, and this is not her fault, has been a disaster. So,
1: I, well, what I was going to say, and it, I guess it doesn't—the fact that she she knew what was going to happen then before she said that, which softens oh, it. But I was going to say that's talk about a bold career move to go out on a platform in which football is very much a daily topic of conversation on that mm-hmm. show. Yeah, uh, but okay, but she knew that she was going to. That's be my up, guess. So. Oof. And I don't I, I'm not gonna ever pretend like I can put myself in a woman's shoes in that position watching what's happening in football and the Me Too movement. But yep. I would say good for her for speaking her mind. Absolutely. And good for her for for working at a network that has a multi comma relationship with the NFL and uh, and saying what she said. So I'm sure right.
0: Greeny took that well too.
1: He just sit there awkwardly. He's in all a gray. Coat.
0: He's all gray now.
3: <laughs> they didn't show <laughs> they, either of the two other hosts. It was just focused completely on Michelle Beal during the yeah. entire clip.
1: So who's replacing her? Uh, it's, gonna, it's,
3: it's a sorry, changing cast of people that will be replacing her.
0: And Jalen's now going to go back and forth. So yeah. he's going to he's going to go to Los Angeles since the NBA studio show is going back there. Mm-hmm. And so he'll be on this show occasionally in New York, but then he's going to fly back and forth. And they're going to have like a. Uh, five different people. Wow. So they're
1: just that. going back to more of a sports center format. Oh, and they're cutting
0: app. it down to from three to two hours as well.
1: Yep. Other than that, the show's going oh, great. other than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't oh, imma- I
0: can't imagine being on a show that's a ratings
1: flop. Right. Personally, I can't I couldn't live with myself. That might have an hour cut off of it at some point. <laughs> I could not live with myself. Uh, Mackie and Judd <laughs> failure's not an yeah. option. <laughs> Mackie and Judd we're hanging out here at the Minnesota State Fair. Matthew Collar will join To talk Vikings at the top of the hour, Derek Wetmore is on campus here. We'll talk Twins. Let's uh, come back in a few minutes. Live from the Minnesota State Fair, it's Mackie and Judd in 1500 ESPN. From the State
0: Fair, Mackie and Judd, uh, so I just saw this. Tiger Woods versus Phil, which I believe you're
1: all in on, correct? Yeah. Tiger, by the way, first bogey-free round in three years on Saturday. Really? Okay. Uh, Are you still in...
0: At twenty five dollars, looks like the price That's is pay-per-view. going to be pay per view twenty four ninety nine. Of course, it won't be just uh, twenty five. Twenty four ninety nine for Tiger v Phil.
1: Are you still all in? Probably because I'm guessing. I'm guessing we're going to get a lot of. They're going to be mic'd up the whole time. I'm guessing. I haven't. I haven't read any details, but if they're mic'd up and we get to hear more of Tiger Woods specifically in the middle of a round, because Tiger's. You know, we don't know a lot about Tiger. The stuff that came out about his affairs and all the plates he was spinning—that like, was the first time that anything ever came out that was—he
0: was Jeter-like until then,
1: right? That was outside of the four-hour TV window that you get. Yep. And and so we we get glimpses of him, but I saw like I saw photos this weekend. Um, Eric LeGrand, the Ru- the former Rutgers player who got paralyzed, and, and he was at this event over the weekend, this golf event, and even in photos. So here's Eric LeGrand and his and his crew that are there for. Charitable reasons and and, and photo with Tiger Woods, and it's Tiger Woods in his red shirt and his black pants with a robotic smile on his face. And and you do see him throw a club or yell. But I would love Tiger Woods mic'd up, competitive environment for three hours or four hours or however long it takes. I would pay $25 just for that access if they'll mic him up. I think they will. I think they have to. Right. I think they have to Mike, Tiger, Phil, the caddies. Yeah. Everybody basically yeah. up. Are, are you in? If they're mic'd up, are you in? I'd it's like interesting access. I'd like to draw a line in the
0: sand and say, absolutely not. I'm I'm in. I'll find a way to watch it. Like, I don't it's know. It's entertainment. I, there's other okay. things you pay 25 bucks know, to do. I don't know if this is the old, old school, because pay- pay-per-view when I was a kid was, was, I wouldn't say the norm, but it was frequent. The thing about pay-per-view is... I'm usually intrigued by it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to put something behind a curtain, I, I th- and I'm a sucker, but I think I'm ordinarily like, you know what? I'd pay for that. So I can say all I want about I won't pay for it. I won't pay for a boxing <laughs> match or something. I normally do, or at least, if nothing else, find a, a way to watch it. That's a long way of saying
1: yeah. I'm sure I'm in. You pay for a spectacle. You pay, you, you pay for something that that you, you you might not get a chance to see. So th- for for me last year uh and and Pat actually paid for this for us, but I would have I would have paid if he had it. He never he he's always like, "I don't know, what can we bring?" Ah, yeah. Ah, okay. But but, uh, but if if Pat wasn't hosting the uh McGregor and Mayweather fight, I would have paid for that yeah. for sure cuz it's a spectacle. It's something that you're not going to get a I chance was, to see. I
0: was told I could not, but I would have found a, a way to watch it.
1: The you The,
0: the wife's like, oh. "We're not we're not buying that." But I still would have found a way. But I've always I'm sure got there's the, a few examples. I have to for work. And it's a tax write-off.
1: <laughs> that's the two things yeah. I've always got. Wow, that's I a have great... to do for work, and I can write it off. So the so really the Tiger Woods Phil Mickelson thing a is, a, is a tax write-off. Absolutely, yeah. And it, it's going to be for the, your job. Is it the Friday. The is it the Black Friday or is it a different date? It's I don't remember twenty third.
0: I think that's right. Then yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's a. But you can always always say I gotta I gotta watch it for for work, which is true. Mm-hmm. If if you don't watch this, and it's the talk of the next week, you're not yeah. really very good at doing your job. If you haven't found a way.
1: So here's where the – I think this is where we're headed to with NFL and MLB and all these organizations owning their own streaming platforms. I would, for instance, on top of what I'm already paying for cable – I mean, ideally, it would be more efficient. You'd have more of an a la carte. So you wouldn't have to pay for channels. But, like, for for cable, you're still paying for a lot of channels you don't want. I would pay, in addition to my cable bill, if you got more mic'd up sideline access – and I don't know; where coaches would want to draw the line differently than where producers would. Run. But I would pay extra for behind-the-curtain access, or or access to know what um, what officials and quarterbacks are talking about. What's a quarterback and a quarterback? Yeah, I'd pay for about. that. I'd pay but, for that. But strategically, teams would draw the line. Yeah. So I don't know how they would massage that. And
0: and the problem is though. So so when they right now when they show in-game stuff. That's not that's not like uh, hard knocks. It's really pretty boring. Like if the quarterback goes to talk to to the coach, what they're allowed to play is basically like, all right, we're going to run this play, and then and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But if you actually gave me to your point strategic access, by the way, all f bombs too. Like I want it all. Like I don't want it cleaned
1: up. Yeah, it can be rated R. So if you if yeah, you give
0: sure. so if you give me a pay per view opportunity that lifts a curtain that I have have rarely if ever seen lifted mm-hmm. before, I'm paying for Which, it.
1: Which by the way, um, and you you brought this. I finally caught up on hard knocks over the weekend how great is it todd haley and greg williams are the two most psychotic offensive and defensive coordinators in the entire league greg williams is he completely is a completely psycho off rocker
0: yes he's it's frightening that he was once a head coach yes of the buffalo bills like can you imagine that guy as your head coach
1: it, be, it becomes so much less shocking that he was the one during the bounty I said game this pop, last week. I, right? said,
0: I said that last week. I said, after watching that, does it surprise you one bit that he had major cash on the table if you hurt no, Brett Favre?
1: No. In fact, it would be surprising if he didn't. It also is, is not surprising that Todd Haley and Ben Roethlisberger butted heads for, what, six years or whatever in Pittsburgh. Todd
0: Haley and Greg Williams will come to blows at some point this season.
1: Like uh, it might be behind like the scenes, McBride and, and Buddy Ryan back yeah. in the early nineties. They're, they're going to get in a fight. Well, what was that one clip where what's his name from uh, Miles My- Garrett came, yeah. r- came around the end and he two hand touched? I think it was uh, Terod Taylor. Two hand touched him or Baker, whoever it was. I think it was Taylor. Yeah, it was Taylor. Yep. And um, and Todd Haley yells, "Great teams don't touch the quarterback. Great teams don't touch the quarterback." And then they cut to Greg Williams and he goes, "Bleep and block him." Yeah, they block him. Then someone's got to block him. And then the next play, I think Garrett (laughs) pushes the lineman
0: towards the quarterback, and Haley melts down. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's great, but that show is fantastic.
1: My, uh, I was, I I was, I was binging, and my gal at my, we watched this stuff together. But she walked in yesterday. I was, I was binging. I was on the third episode. And she goes, "Why are they showing the Browns? Like the Browns never win." I said, "That's why it's awesome. Yes, because you're watching this. They're trying to change this culture, and you're seeing why they've been so incompetent. in A lot of ways. I finally saw the the full scene where Hugh Jackson's off and on crying in his office, and gets this horrible news about, you know, his is it his brother and his, his mom. Uh, mom? They, they passing died away. close together. Yes. And he's and he's sitting in there, and he had not told the assistant coaches, and they're flipping through, and uh, somebody might have been might have been the GM uh, Dorsey. Peeks his head in the office and says, "Is everything okay?" And he said, yeah, you know, just, just grinding through it. And the other coaches are looking around like, what's he talking about? And he goes, oh, yeah, my, uh, my, my brother died two weeks ago and my, my mom died uh, this morning yep. or yesterday morning or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, it's just life's tough sometimes. And the coaches are turning around and we're like, oh, my God. They're looking at him like, dude, are you okay? And he just goes, is that zone, zone coverage right there? Yep, is that zone read? <laughs> it's, it's, it's Classic but, NFL. But I told, but I to- told you this. That's
0: the, the psychotic nature of these people. Like, But he did it without missing a beat. Yes. Like it's, my mom's dead, is that zone coverage? Yes.
1: Or is that zone read? And the editing was perfect because they cut away to the practice. What I right can't figure
0: that. out, though, is w- William's personality, he's nuts. Haley is, I don't think, as nuts, but he's crazy. Yeah. And then Hugh is, I can't figure out if
1: Hugh has control. I don't think Hugh's the guy long term. No, I because, don't either. I know, so there's something, Hugh is a little bit too much, I do things the way I want, and I think he'd probably rub some people, but, you know, they're just trying to get to one win first, so... Uh, I know you and Collar are going to keep some football conversation going here. Derek Wetmore will join on Twins. I'm going to say goodbye for the day, but I'll be back here with you. We're here 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock the entire week from the State Fair. Garage Logic, the ride with Royce. So I'll, uh, I'll catch with you tomorrow. Awesome. Matthew Collar is going to come in here next. Mackie and Judd from the Minnesota State Fair back in a few minutes.